Let me pose to you this question. What fills your mind? This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. There's a reason that I'm posing this question today on the program. What fills your mind? What do you watch on television? What do you read on the internet? What do you read in publications and other materials? What are the things that you are putting in to your mind each and every day? I've had one of those kind of weeks this past week that has been trying to find the word. I've been thinking about it all the the hours prior to, prior to sitting down to recording the program today. Turmoil, sleepless nights, agitation, those are some of the words that, that come to mind. We spend a lot of time on this program talking about the issues that we face in our decaying world today. The world is decaying. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Look at our society. Look at the things that are happening. Look at the the various groupings of people. We're pitting one group against the other, against the other, against the other. We are now separated by race, by class, by a whole lot of things that shouldn't matter. But they have become the most important thing in the global world of today. Jesus says in Mark chapter 3, verse 25, he says, And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. Think about that for a moment. One of the greatest tools of the enemy of Christians and and mankind in general. I want you to think for one moment. What is the greatest tool the enemy can use against us to divide us? You're not wearing a face mask. You're you don't need to wear a face mask. The virus is real. The virus has been overly hyped. We're being pitted one against the other. You have people, if they see somebody in a store, a healthy person in a store not wearing a face mask, these people will get belligerent, angry, and even violent. Put your mask on. You're going to kill everybody in the store. We've been... We've been engaged into a world of fear. Fear can be used as a great weapon. And now we are turning one against the other. But see, that's not the only place we're being divided. It's not just the virus. It's about race. It's about status, standing. Any tool that can be used to keep us apart, keep us separate, keep us divided, will ultimately keep us weak and controllable. Christians are divided. There are those that fear the virus more than they fear God, and so they stay home. They're not going to go back to church. They're waiting for 
you know, they're waiting for mankind to fix the problem. They're waiting for a scientist or a Dr. Fauci to tell them everything is okay. So I'm going to go back to my original question. What fills your mind? And as I said, the, these last several nights, I've had a hard time sleeping. I, I keep waking up in the middle of the night. And it's not just maybe some noise or the fact we have two little dogs that like to jump on the bed. You know, they've been around for a while. They've never done this before. I think about things in the nighttime that are very troubling. And I realize that part of the problem that I'm facing is the problem that many of you are facing. We spend so much time engaged in the news of the day, the information of the day, and and of course, all of this is important. But how many hours am I spending watching news and reading, reading lots of material from lots of places. You know, it's really hard when you want to dig deep to get alternative. And I mean, when I say alternative, I, I don't mean fake. I mean, trying to get to the depth and truth of a story. We've learned one thing, the mainstream media in the Western world the United States in particular, probably the same in the UK, probably the same in Canada and anywhere else where globalism controls the show, you're getting the information they want you to know. The same is true with online. Other day, somebody was asking a question. I'm not even going to get into what it was. And I had seen and found a source that has always been reliable. And in a private message, I shared a link. And I got an immediate, and I happened to use Facebook Messenger for this. I immediately got this, no, you can't share that. And you have a warning on your account. Well, we will suspend you for a week or a month. You can't even share that privately. It's fake news, according to Facebook. Facebook has been nothing but fake and phony news for, for the past three years. They consider themselves the elite, wealthy ministers of truth. They're nothing more than the ministers of lies, propaganda, and Satan. They're doing Satan's work for him. Sometimes I wonder, how do you sell your soul to become a mega billionaire? I think it's been done. I look at the people that run these organizations, and there's something that almost seems demonic about them when they speak. Jack Dorsey from Twitter hits me that way. There's something that just seems unhuman, inhuman about about Mark Zuckerberg at, at Facebook. They all have this look. They all have these billions of dollars at their fingertips. And they feel that they are entitled to be the rulers of this world because of their money, power, and influence. Getting back to my question, so what do we fill our minds with? A lot of my time has to be spent looking at the trash that Facebook puts out. 
the news of the day, trying to dig through this sewer of information, nastiness, and the satanic roots. Think about just having to look up look up the Grammy Award stuff. The filth, the degeneration, the reprobate mind that has formed our music where, you know, terms like mother and father in some places is now a terrible thing to say. And I can't even begin to share the lyrics of the great song from the Grammys because they're so derelict and filthy. I'd be ashamed to even read them, let alone read them on the air. But this is what's being normalized to our young people. I read a story the other day. Once again, it gives you an idea of what's happening in, in our world today. Someone shared a story to me from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. And, and it, it kind of gives you an idea of some of the problems we, we have today. Before I even get to the article, how many of you have seen postings about what is called Drag Queen Story Hour? Now, prior to the pandemic, maybe the pandemic had one worthy thing. In many cities, even in small towns like Greenville, South Carolina, you have these retrobates wanting to have these men dressed as women with makeup, even looking almost satanic, to read fairy tales and stories to children and, you know, really young kids in public libraries. I mean, what kind of sickness is this to normalize that? What could go wrong, they say? Well, Milwaukee County Circuit Court Judge, we're talking a judge, a circuit court judge in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. His name is Brett Bloom. He was arrested Tuesday of this past week on tentative charges of possession of child pornography. The 38-year-old was taken into custody by special agents following an investigation of multiple uploads of child pornography through a, I'm not even going to say what it is, a messaging application. I'll just put it that way. Does that surprise you? There was a 44-page search warrant filed just uh, the last week by a DCI special agent, said investigators. They found his username, and I'm not even going to give it. He uploaded videos and images containing child pornography. Two of the files were uploaded. You ready for this? At a Milwaukee government building. In other words, he didn't even do it in the privacy of his own home. He used government computers to upload porn. I'm going to tell you. This is what we're coming to in this country. And yet we have people saying we need more of the drag queen story hours. We need more rainbow lights on the White House. We need more of this diversity. We need to be more than... We we need men playing women's sports. 
I go back now to my first question again. What do we fill our minds with each and every day? By the way, this this guy, ju- this Judge Bloom, had been the head of the Board of Zoning Appeals for the city of Milwaukee. Uh, he was also head of the Cream City Foundation, which provides grant money, ooh, government grant money to LGBTQ groups in the Milwaukee area. He's a longtime LGBTQ activist, which is why they needed to get him as a judge. Wow. This is becoming what is being desired. And here's a guy uploading porn. This is now a judge in a court. Hopefully not for long. Hopefully this is the end of his legal activism. By the way, um, Judge Bloom, who's a male, has a husband. And they live on the city's west side. And Bloom said his husband held a very specialized position at the University of Wisconsin in Madison and was unable to find a similar job in Milwaukee. You know, this is our education system now. This is our judicial system now. He ran as a, when he ran to be a judge, he ran against a conservative. And he was telling everybody, I am the progressive alternative. Well, now you know what it means to be a progressive alternative alternative you know I'm realizing that I'm spending a lot of time having to read stories like this each and every day to do this radio program you have to deal with where the rubber meets the road so to speak all the issues that face us all the challenges you want to know something Some days it gets awfully, awfully hard. It is increasingly becoming difficult for me to do a program like this all by myself. The other night my wife and I were talking. I finally had gotten uh, some recording work done, and I was finished for the day. Some days the program I can sit down and be done in a couple of hours or so. From beginning to end, editing, putting it together, double-checking, and then distributing the program to radio stations and the podcast sites and what have you. And some days, some days putting together this one-hour show can take four or five hours of, I just can't do it, I have to do take and retakes and edits, and it just, it's hard. It's very hard. When I look at what the scripture says about the watchman on the wall, and in in many cases, many of us, not just me, there are many of us, whether on radio, television, strictly internet, in a pulpit, in various type ministries, we become, in a sense, the watchman on the wall. And part of Part of the job of a watchman is to to warn the people, to warn the people of the things that I see. Now, what you do with that warning, 
It's up to you. But I have to give that warning when it's my turn to be on duty and share what I find with you. I will tell you that doing this program, I get exposed to a lot of criticism you never hear about. You know, I'm one of those, you know, right-wing Christian nut jobs who believes in a sky fairy. I get a lot of that. I'm not woke enough. I, I believe, I don't believe in science. Well, you know, I don't believe in a lot of your science either because it's ever changing. I mean, just look at the pandemic. How many times the science, you know, we had Joe Biden saying, we're going to follow the scientist. Well, how many times has that changed in just one year? And how many times has the so-called science been wrong? Why do you think I'm hesitant about taking this gene therapy that's not a vaccine, but they call a vaccine? Without a long-term trial and more knowledge about what this really is, you know, I'm not even going to worry about a lot of the various theories that are out there. I'll bring people on to share with what others may think. But just as, as a guy that comes out of an engineering background before I was in theology... I have a tendency to look at the world in a it works or it doesn't work status. It's right or it's wrong. It's black or it's white. There are the universal law of gravity doesn't change just because I want it to change. And so I understand what a vaccine is and this stuff is not a vaccine. I'm not I'm not even it doesn't take somebody that's a medical scientist to figure that out even though the Merriam-Webster dictionary just changed the definition in the last 2 weeks of what a vaccine is. They've added this experimental gene therapy. So for now, I'm going to pass. Now, I'm not criticizing or condemning you if you if you decided this is what you want to do. That's, a, that's an informed decision you have to make. But for me and my household, we're just not, we're not do, I'm not telling them what to do, but I'm pointing them to things to read and consider and pray about. And they've decided, a lot of my friends, we're not, we're not doing it. We need, what I need, what we all need, is a better sharing of the load. When there's spiritual warfare, let's let's go to conventional warfare. When World War II broke out, the Japanese had attacked Pearl Harbor. We didn't just, you know, pick a half a dozen young guys and say, go fight the war, with the rest of us staying home. We had to mobilize massive amounts of troops to meet the battle. You don't go to war if you don't have a trained army. You don't go to war if you're not equipped or you're going to lose. I think one of the problems we have in the Christian world today is a lack of warriors. It is a spiritual warfare and a spiritual battle. 
And, and there are too many people that are becoming the armchair quarterbacks that listen and read and have knowledge, but what are they doing in the battle? What are they doing to inform others? What are they doing, period, except being a spectator? Years ago, when I entered the ministry and added that to my life's work and calling, I realized that being a Christian is not a spectator sport. But unfortunately, over the last 20 years, the church has increasingly turned Christianity into a spectator sport. We have built fine arenas and auditoriums with light shows and and music and comfortable seating and video and smoke machines, sound systems, things that capture our mind and our imagination. But they never touch the soul of who we are. We become a spectator that works on our feelings. And then we get an, we get this well-presented, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pep talk. A little Jesus pep talk. Then somehow with that, we're going to go out and face the world and the spiritual battles that we have to fight. We forgot what the sacrifice of praise is. We, we forgot what worship is all about. And just as many are spectators in their church when they were able to go, they become spectators on these parts of our life. Sitting home and complaining about something that you see politically, whether it's in the United States, H.R. 1, this bill that could decimate our country, there are a lot of things that are in the process of destroying the United States, and I think it's part of God's judgment for the arrogant people that the United States has become. So, what do you fill your mind with? How much time do you spend in God's Word compared to, I don't know, watching Newsmax or Fox News or reading things on the Internet? And I'm finding increasingly I'm out of balance. It takes a toll. It is hard for a true Christian to be involved in spiritual warfare if they never learn how to put on what is called the armor of God. And if you've never heard that, turn to Ephesians chapter 6, look at verses 10 through 18. What is the armor of God? Well, number one, the belt of truth. Number two, the breastplate of righteousness. Number three, the gospel of peace. Number four, the shield of faith. Number five, the helmet of salvation. Number six, the sword of the spirit. Number seven, effectual prayer. The belt of truth. You know, you can't win in God's army when you're spreading lies. God is not a lie. God despises lies. 
and God has no use for liars. Truth is one of the most important things, and it's one of the things in our world today that has been totally manipulated to give you a false narrative. This goes like so Orwellian. You know, George Orwell's book, 1984, thoroughly coming true right before our very eyes. What a, what a prophetic book from an atheist of all things. But he was correct. He observed the globalist and the communist and understood their never-changing methodology. They control the truth. They control the education system. They control communications. They always do. Look at today. Who runs education? Used to be the church. Used to be the communities. Now it's the unions and the left. The progressive left that hates God are the ones instructing your children and filling their heads. So we need the belt of truth. We need the honesty and we need the truth. Truth found in God's word. The the breastplate of righteousness. We cannot be an unrighteous army. We have to be righteous. A breastplate deflects the arrows or the bullets, so to speak, of those that try to fight against us. The gospel of peace. Peace is kind of an elusive thing in our world today. Jesus said it always would be. It always will be. We'll never be able to stand up to Satan if we don't have the gospel of peace, the belt of truth, and the breastplate of righteousness. And we also need a shield as part of our defense, and that is the shield of our faith. Our faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. The helmet of our salvation, that we belong to him. The sword of God's spirit. See, there's a wonderful verse in, in the Old Testament. It is not by might, it is not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Too many of us in the faith have negated the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We don't have a sword. We have so little faith, we have no shield. We have so much anger, we can't share the gospel of peace. We are unrighteous, so we are exposed to the bullets of the enemy and the belt that ties it all together of truth is not present in many of us anymore. What fills your mind? As I get to the second part of the program today, I want to talk about what we need to do going forward. What I need to do going forward, I'm going to share with you in the second part of the program some really important stuff. If you missed the first half of the program, well, that's fine. If you're cutting, if you're coming in at the second half, some of the most important things I have to share will come in the second half of the program. But you know, I want to, I think on the weekend show, I like to share music. I just shared with you the whole idea of the armor of God, the belt of truth the breastplate of righteousness, the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and prayer. 
And I want to say this about prayer. A lot of Christians, and I find myself, I fall into this trap too. It's so easy. We, we get away from a regular time of praying. And without that communion with God in prayer and to listen to his voice, we seem to lose all the other parts of the, of the armor that God has given us. And oftentimes we feel defeated. Remember that verse from Scripture. It is not by might, it is not by power, but by my Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. It's not by might.
Gaither Vocal Band, not by might, not by power. Let's take a break, and we will be right back. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Beerman. The Every Land Land. Shalom Aleichem. This is the nice Jewish boy, Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection, bringing you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. Israel, the size of New Jersey, and yet there's no comparison. And you can take it from me, I live in New Jersey. New Jersey's pretty much, well, New Jersey. But Israel, the size of New Jersey, contains land that could be continents away from each other. The Mediterranean seashore, the snow-capped mountain of Hermon, the Jordan Valley, the hill country of Judea, the Negev, the rocky heights of Samaria, the plains of Sharon, the mountains that surround Jerusalem, the fertile valley of Jezreel and Armageddon, the barren moonscape of the Midbar, the beautiful sea and the surrounding land of Galilee, and so much more, all in a land no larger than the state of New Jersey. Now, this is an amazing thing. Small countries usually don't have all this. They might all be like a desert, like Yemen, or all mountains like Tibet. But Israel is the every land land. Why? Well, back then, people worshipped gods of mountains and the gods of the desert, gods of the sea, gods of the farmland. But the God of Israel was and is different. He's not just the God of the mountains, but of the valleys as well. He's not just of the fertile plains, but of the wilderness. He's God of every and all land. And so in your life, God isn't just the God of good times. He's not just there when you're high in spirit. He's the God of the valleys just as well, and his love is just as real and present there. He's God of the high times in your life and the low times, the abundant and the poor, the fertile times and the dry times. God's unconditional. He'll walk with you in every landscape of your life. So be comforted, my friend, and be glad. He's faithful to you. You too be faithful to him because he's the every land God. You be his every land follower. Want more? Ask for the waters of Zion. Now the free gift for you. The mystery hidden for 2,000 years in the sands of Israel. Better than Raiders of the Lost Ark, and it's real. The mystery of the temple doors, you'll love it. And sapphires, your daily spiritual vitamin supply for victorious life in God. So how do you get all these free gifts? Easy. Just remember Jesus' real Hebrew name, Yeshua, and dial it. It's 1-800-YESHUA-1. You'll be so blessed, but call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now, I invite you to minister with me and bring the good news back to the people who gave it to you, Israel and the unreached peoples of every tribe and tongue on five continents. You'll be so blessed. Just call now, 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or write me direct, the nice Jewish boy at box 1111 in Lodi, L-O-D-I. New Jersey 07644. That's a nice Jewish boy. It's box 1111 in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey 07644. Till next time, this is Jonathan Khan saying Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, and Messiah Ravinu, our teacher. This is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Bierman. Let me welcome you back to part two of our program, Truth to Ponder. This is, for many, the Friday edition and some the weekend edition. I want to thank all of you for being with us today. This, as I said at the beginning of the program, if you were with me, has been a very strange and difficult week. I felt very strongly at the beginning of the week to just do these programs straight through with you and deal with the news of the day and and everything that has to be said. And as I did it during the week, I know why the Lord laid it on my heart now to really understand 
what we as Christians are facing in our world today. I want to share something in, in just a moment that I think may resonate with a lot of you listening. We spent a lot of time in this program looking at the the terrible things going on in our world today. And we have to do that from the standpoint of being a watchman on the wall, warning everybody about the dangers that lie ahead. Many people do not know Christ. And that's because the church, I believe, has been very ineffective. And I I said earlier this week, for those that listen and they can hear the Monday through Thursday editions of the program, not just the, the Friday and weekend, I said earlier during the week that the time that we live in today is is so different, but so much the same. The enemy of our soul uses the same tools to divide us, to put us into fear, to put us into camps. And the church, unfortunately, in the United States today, and I've watched this gradually occur in my lifetime, I'm sure some of this started even before I was born and I'll be 67 this year. I said earlier this week, there are a lot of churches that are dying on the vine. And guess what? I'm actually excited and happy and thrilled because those are the the very churches, many of the mainline churches have abandoned the gospel and done exactly what St. Paul said not to do. They start preaching another gospel that is not the gospel. They're an anathema. They are to be avoided, shunned, turn your back on them. Once they throw away scripture, once they tell God what they think is more important than what what God's word actually says, these churches, the book of Revelation, I love the line that they use, that, that, that the writer used, where Jesus says, I will take thy lampstand from thee. Your light is gone. You've walked so far away. My spirit, my presence is no longer here. You're on your own. And I can think of many church bodies today in the United States. Thankfully, they are decaying, dying, and shrinking. Some churches having lost more than half of their membership in a matter of a decade or two. And some can't fade off the face of the earth, in my opinion, fast enough for the damnable things that they are doing, teaching, preaching, sharing, They're a cancer, and they have been co-opted by Satan himself for what I call the woke culture of today. They proclaim it. They demand it. They accept sin, and they embrace it. The only churches that are growing today, and unfortunately some not fast enough, there are some that are growing because well, they, they are conservative. They are somewhat engaged in God's word. But the people themselves are not as engaged as they could be. It's all about coming to the pep seminar, the, the music show, the concert. You know, what's in it for me? And the churches that need to grow are the ones that have finally figured out that worship is not centered on the individual it is centered upon God. You know, on my desk, I've got two books that I need to read. I haven't, you know, when you're sitting there in the sewer, so to speak, of the world, trying to make heads or tails so you can do this radio program, 
It's not easy to find the time you need to spend in God's Word and in some quality books. I've got one here that I cannot wait to read, and I've been wanting to find some time to read it. It's called As It Is in Heaven, written by a friend of mine, Paul Castellano. He's a fellow clergyman in a related church body to the one in which I serve. And I've, I've kind of browsed through the book, and I really can't wait to read it. And I really can't wait to have him as a guest on the program to for a change of pace. One of the things that, there are two things that happened this week. Number one, I, I said it's been a restless series of nights. And, and I know it's because I think about this program sometimes too much. And I spend too much time reading the news, engaging in social media, and all the sewers that lie within. And so probably sometime next week, I'm going to pull the plug for the radio show from Facebook. I don't even need to be there with this program. Just one less thing to deal with. I'm going to cut back my use of social media. I'm going to go through that friends list that I have, and I'm going to weed it down. You know, it it sounds exciting on one level. Hey, I've got over 1,000 or 2,000 friends. A lot of these people are acquaintances. A lot of them I don't know. And you wonder, the worst thing is, I probably turn down 95% of any new friend requests to come through. I need to limit to those people that build me up. And not tear me down. Now, someone would say, wait a minute, but, but you need to debate. No, I don't. I do not need to, as someone wrote me, a, one of the listeners of this program, thank you for what you said. I don't need to waste my time arguing on Facebook. A lot of folks that want to argue with you on Facebook, their minds are like concrete, thoroughly mixed up and too well set. I don't need to have my spirit driven down in useless debate. There's an old saying about the the guy that wrestles a pig in the mud. The pig likes it. And you're never going to win. What are you going to win? I need to spend my time being with like-minded friends. Maybe use things like Gab to get some news. Maybe use Dansgate, another up-and-coming social media site and restrict what I do on it for sharing this program. Yes, I'll spend some time getting the news of the day to share on the program. It's part of what I do. But I'm praying to get some help in finding this material. Let me explain what I mean. I've had people that have written me before saying, well, you talk about this, that, or the other. Let me be more definitive. I'm called to do a radio show, but I'm called to do something else. And I want to share a quick story. Bit personal, but I I think that you'll understand and I need to share it. I spent the first many years of my working adult life between school and working as a disc jockey. Then I moved into engineering. And I've worked in some major markets as an engineer. Then I went to a manufacturer of broadcast equipment. 
There are a lot of our transmitters on shortwave, AM, FM, all over the world. Then God opened a door up, and he sent me, literally sent me. I can remember the night that I knew I had to go, and I didn't even know if there was a job there or not. It had been, someone had suggested it several times. Went to work for a pay cut at a Bible college. Smartest thing I ever did was to listen to that voice of God inside of me and go to work there. It was during that time that we built a radio network that really reached out and touched lots of people. It also gave me the opportunity to study for the ministry, and I I entered the ordained ministry a little over 25 years ago. And shortly after my ordination, I shifted my life from being primarily somebody that worked in radio with part-time ministry to full-time ministry with a part-time job in broadcast engineering to help make ends meet. And I watched the church grow. I've actually launched some churches. I've seen churches rise, fall, and fail. In 2004, after a two-year battle, I lost my first wife to cancer. And I will tell you, just simply put, the next 10 years of my life were very scattered. Did a lot of things during those years. Ministry was part of it, but I never could get my heart fully into it. It's just the way things were at that time. Even left radio and ministry for a season working in emergency management, a job I never expected, but it really has been a help in what I'm doing today. And by 2013, early 2014, The die was cast that my life was going to go through some changes, and I ended up back in Florida working in radio again and desiring more to be active in ministry. And God has opened a number of doors during these past, going on seven years now. Hard to believe, seven years have gone by. And my life has gone through a lot of changes but one of the things that happened after my first wife had passed away, I was the church I had was growing. We had a wonderful building. I got a, had a great congregation. I could have stayed there for you know till I retired, but I just felt so uncomfortable. I had to leave. And there were a couple of churches that wanted me to serve them. And I think about one of them in particular. I'm not even going to say where it is. I'd visited them before. And they really extended an offer for me to come and serve them. They were a, they were part of a church and a school, and the the pastor there was mostly involved with the school. And they wanted a pastor for the congregation. It's hard to serve two masters, and I I, I just couldn't do it. The time wasn't right, but my heart has always ached for that church, and here's why. When the economic upheaval of 2008 came along, the school took a really bad hit. And the pastor of that church that was really running the school was watching his school crumbling. And he felt that he had to close it and he moved on to a different location. And the church eventually fell apart and had to sell their building. 
I didn't know about that till years later. I've always wondered what would have happened if they could have found somebody to lead them as their pastor for the church to get them through the difficult time when the school was no longer. And once again, this pastor, wonderful man of God, but he's called to be an educator more than he is called to be a, you know, a church pastor. There are a lot of people that God is calling into various ministries and functions. You know, it's time to say, here I am, Lord, send me. Now, the Lord used the time that I had, but I see this now. And I also see after this pandemic, I also see in this world being torn apart. We're coming into a time of tribulation, whether we like it or not, and Christian persecution. It is more important today to be out there in this field that is white for harvest. Remember, the apostate churches have left damage and a wake of destruction in their path of lives and people that need to hear the gospel. Don't just write those churches off. The people in those churches are being deceived. They need to be reached. It's time for the church to take a stand. I can remember when I first felt the call to the ministry. I was actually I was actually a young child. As I've looked over the circumstances of my life, how I got to this planet, how God has in many ways shielded me, guided me, whether I understood it or not, I stand amazed. I stand totally amazed. But even as a young child, I felt this call to serve him. And I will tell you that when I was like, you know, 11, 12, 13, the idea of having to preach a sermon scared me. Bringing a message, I could, I can't do that. I don't feel comfortable speaking in public. I didn't mind singing. I had a wonderful boy soprano voice, and for years I could sing. Over the years, that voice has given way, as sometimes for some people it does. I never thought I would be able to to get in front of a group of people and give a speech, let alone give a sermon from God's Word. But you know, going to work as a disc jockey got me over my fear of public speaking over time. Being at Toccoa Falls and, and seeing the real reason for Christian radio and what can be done, what should be done, what needs to be done, was a major change in my perspective. And then finally having the opportunity in God's time to answer that call, to prepare myself, to train, to study, learn, to be a workman unashamed, to help others and then start with a small church and watch it grow. Plant a couple of churches, watch them grow. But there's only one of me and probably more places that have a need today than we even know. Some people will say, well, maybe I ought to go into the ministry. And I'm, I'm going, well, don't expect to pay. If, if you're willing to come in and serve God and you're not looking for a paycheck, I got plenty of work for you to do. 
And many walk away saying, I can't do that. Well, then you're not trusting God to make ends meet. When I took one church, I didn't know if I'd have any way to survive or pay for anything. But I said yes before I worked out the details. And God worked out the details. Believe me on that. I do this radio program as part of what God has called me to do, but I'm increasingly understanding this is not all that I'm supposed to be doing. Getting back into the ministry of teaching from God's Word is becoming more increasingly important in my life, on my heart, on my mind, in my spirit. Doing a radio program you know, giving you the chronology of this of the destruction of this earth as it deteriorates, it takes its toll. I'll probably need to rely on a few more people to find material for me. So I don't have to sit hour after hour just just swimming in the sewer of the world. I'll share, quote, the highlights, if you can call them highlights, to put things into perspective. But the change on this program is coming. It needs to be more about centering you into the hope of Jesus Christ than to the despair of the virus and the vaccines and and the lies and the politics. The woke culture, the cancel culture, it's out there. And we'll address it. But if I can't address it and give you the hope of Jesus Christ, if I can't share the message, then why bother doing the program? I just become, for all practical purposes, for those that watch TV, I just become another Tucker Carlson. I just become another Greg Kelly, chronicling the demise of our Western culture as it just sinks into the abyss of sin and degradation. It's one thing to tell you that's coming and to share maybe a few things you didn't hear, like I did for those that listened to the Monday through Friday program. We did share some news that you may not hear in a lot of media, but it just undergirds the deception and the lies that are going on, even among those that call themselves, quote, conservatives. Beware of the wolf in sheep's clothing. There are lots of them out there. You know, I think one of the greatest examples, politically speaking, was the Lincoln Project. The self-righteous people that said, look at us. We are the moral ones that should be leading our nation, not that guy in the Oval Office, Mr. Trump. We don't like him. He tweets mean things. He has a lack of decorum. Well, before you try to talk about the speck in somebody else's eye, take the log out of yours. Find out the one of the founders a pedophile, and others have taken millions of dollars of donated money to prop up their failing businesses. You know, I, I don't, when I'm looking at, at a president, I'm not trying to, you know, we're not hiring the head pastor of a church. I'm more concerned, will the policies be detrimental to the church, the Christian faith, our families, 
and our jobs and our communities. I know that the educational system run by government bureaucrats is. And this this program needs to focus on how do we build the church? How do we reclaim educating our young people? How do we keep them out of the clutches of the satanic left that wants to take your children and pull them into the depths of hell? How do we save them from this? I can document what's going on, but if you're listening to this program, you probably already know most of what I'm telling you. All I'm doing is just reinforcing and reminding you of what we all know. Maybe some people can help doing the research on the decay of our nations, our Western culture, and our world. One last thing I have to tie together. Maybe I can spend more time reading God's Word or books like As It Is in Heaven or Understanding understanding Other Theological Issues That Face Our Time so I can tie it together instead of just being the chronicle of the destruction, be able to give you some hope from God's Word. Maybe occasionally bring you some music you don't hear a lot to add to the program to edify, to encourage the body of Christ. Me being here on the radio, being the telltaler of doom is one thing. And a certain element of that does need to be done from time to time. I understand that. To remind you. Now, I'm not going to be one of those that say, I'm going to tie this and that together, and this must be the great tribulation, and thus Jesus is coming on the 20th of whatever. I don't do that. I just accept the possibility and the reality that perilous times are always coming. Times of persecution are always right around the bend. It has been for 2,000 years. The United States has been rare that it has not been here until now. And that doesn't mean that we are the center of the universe and this must be the Great Tribulation. It's probably overdue judgment. So we're going to begin changing our path a little bit on this program. We're going to be more, more about sharing the gospel. If you believe in what we do, visit our website, truththenumber2ponder.com, truththenumber2ponder.com. If you want to contribute and help this work, you can. Simply go to our website. It can be done from there. If you want to mail a check, make it out to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, our address in Georgia, 21 Berkshire, B-E-R-K, 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263. That's number 263. Sky Valley is the city. Two words, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. Once again, you can find us at 21 Berkshire Lane, number 263, Sky Valley, Georgia, 30537. Until we meet again, may God bless you. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.